pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's why we love getting our next guest on from ncsports.com. Our professional handicapper joins us each and every Friday at 4.30. He is Chris Van Dyne. How are you, Chris? I'm good. Uh, Exciting week for football all the way around. You got some good college games this weekend. Ohio State, Wisconsin is going to be uh, button heads with uh, you know a lot, lot of stake for the Big Ten. You got uh, high school playoffs starting this week, and the NFL another big week ahead. So yeah, all the way around, love football, and this great weekend. All right, before we get into it, Chris, JT, and I have always said when Vegas gets involved, things happen, right? Uh, and Michigan is being investigated for a number of reasons. The the sign-stealing, uh, covering margins uh, and everything, and wagers and, and all of that. Well, from a professional handicapping standpoint, what, what did you first hear about what was going on at, at Michigan, and how big of a deal is it from that perspective uh, with, the, you know, the bookies and everything? I heard about it pretty much the same uh, way everybody else did. You know, the story started breaking, and it it, uh, it seems to have grown exponentially since we first started. All right, sign stealing is one thing, but, you know, I, I, I liken it to, uh, you know, everyone speeds on the highway. You go 10 miles over. I don't necessarily think everybody should get a speeding ticket, but if you go 135, then, yeah, you're you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And, yeah, everyone steals signs in college football, but it seems like Michigan went to great lengths to possibly do this based on the allegations. But, um, yeah, I heard about it the same way everyone else did. You know, the story started breaking. And as far as how it affects our handicapping, in a way it made us actually like Michigan a little more last week against Michigan State. Uh, Jim Harbaugh seems like like a a little bit of a spiteful guy. You know, if you're going to accuse his – team of cheating and stuff like that, then it seems like they might be the kind of team that'll pour it on and try to add touchdowns late. Uh, you know, they, they didn't really need to do that, but they definitely, you know, it was 28, nothing and a half and they were still scoring in the fourth quarter. They scored a touchdown with eight seconds left. So uh, apparently they wanted to make a statement and they did. And I think that's something that may, they may try to do for the rest of the season. It's not really going to affect anything this week, but though, because they're on a bye week. So many weird angles. That team usually doesn't respond after a bye week, and they usually don't cover the following week. But going back, it has had to help you guys out a little bit at some point in time, or maybe it slid under the radar that a team like Michigan State, or um, that Michigan went from not covering to almost covering, and I thought I read this, 70% of their games? Yeah, they've been uh, pretty much cover stars the last two years. You know, they, they were 10-3-1 and one against the spread in 21, 7-6-1 against the spread this year. And, you know, they did, uh, when, when the season started, they were not covering. They were often big favorites this year. And uh, those first four games, I don't think they covered any of them. Yeah, no, they, they, they were 0-3-1 uh, against the spread with a push against Rutgers in their first four games, mm-hmm. but have since covered their last four so in the last two years, they're pretty much just a little over 500. The big year was 21 when they covered 10 out of their 14 games. Okay. 
covered a lot of their Big Twelve, Big Ten games, though. You know that they they have uh, covered twelve, uh, twelve, six and one, sixteen, six and one, sixteen, six and two in the last two years. So that they are covering you go. consistently against the Big Ten, especially. And uh, you know that those are probably the games where they're spending the most time. Probably if you know if the, these allegations are true, that most of those uh, uh, time they're spending on this stuff is probably going against their conference opponents, which is most of the allegations I've seen aside from some of the stuff about the teams they potentially were well, going to play in the playoffs. All right, so the, there you go from that perspective. So great to get info from you on that. Uh, let's talk about some games uh, this week, big games. Uh, get, give us a game you guys uh, uh, are leaning heavily maybe towards uh, one way or the other with some of these big matchups in college football this weekend. Uh, I'll give you one game I really like, and the, unfortunately the line has moved a little bit against us, but uh, there, there's a reason for that. I like Texas A&M. The line is going up to – it was 14 all week, uh, and then in the last probably about 24 hours, it has shot up to 16 and a half. Uh, South Carolina's got some depth and injury issues in a couple places that are very uh, very hurtful to, the, to their overall offensive abilities. Uh, especially their struggles in the offensive line have been uh, very defined this year. They've given up 31 sacks. That is the uh, tied for number one in the SEC in sacks allowed. And A&M, on the other hand, is uh, tied for number two in the SEC in sacks uh, sacks taken. They have 29 sacks in the season. Stout defensive line, NIL, that talent that Jimbo Fisher brought in a couple years ago with NIL. A&M is off a bye this week. And I think offensively they're going to be able to take advantage of a South Carolina defense that's giving up 447 yards a game, 66% completions, and over 300 passing yards a game. A&M, like I said, they've got the defensive edge. uh, And uh, South Carolina's also got a banged-up receiving core. Their their yards last coming into the year was Antoine Juice-Wells. He had nearly 1,000 yards last year. He has barely played this year. He's going to be out again. Uh, their slot guy, Marion Brown, has been announced that he's out. Their top guy this year has been Xavier Leggett. He's been one of the top SEC receivers, 736 yards and almost 19 or over 19 yards of catch. He is questionable and did not play last week. Only 12 points last week scored against Missouri. They've really struggled to run the ball, and with the issues in the offensive line and protecting the quarterback. I'll tell you what, Spencer Rattler might might not survive this game with that A&M defensive front coming at him. So I think A&M pulls away in this game and ends up winning this game by over three touchdowns. And a couple years ago when when they played this game, uh, it was an absolute beatdown the last day, the last time they met in College Station. A&M was winning 31 nothing at the half, and the yardage edge was 268 to 11. While I don't know if it's that bad this time, I do think that A&M uh, puts another beat down wow. on them at home in front of that ruckus home crowd. Let's take a look at the Pac-12. A couple of big ones there. Oregon at Utah. Oregon giving six points. Oregon for real? Uh, they're good. I, I I think that this could be a tough spot for them, though, because you know they, they did lose at Washington a couple weeks ago. Now they're yep. going to Utah, which you know we really like Utah. They, they just beat USC on the road. Mm-hmm. Their one slip-up this year was at Oregon State, and the Beavers are almost unbeatable when they're at home. So this is a, a, a good Utah team with an improving offense. You know, the, the whole question all season was, when is Cam Rising coming back? Well, they, they've got that out of them now because Bryson Barnes, the, the, the pig farmer, as they call him, uh, he, he's now the guy at starting quarterback and played well last week, threw for 235 yards. 
He can run a little bit. And defensively, they really get after it. They're holding opponents to just 295 yards a game. They're allowing they're they're holding their opponents 112 yards per game below their average. I do like Bo Nix. He has been better on the road at Oregon. I remember back when he was at Auburn, the, the uh, play was always when Bo Nix is on the road, play against Bo Nix. He's been better on the road. But I think at Utah, this is a tough spot for them, laying six and a half. We'll take the points here because we think Utah could win this like game it. outright. And, you know, they're kind of a, a disregarded team in the Pac-12. When everyone's talked about the Pac-12 this year, they've talked about Washington. I know. They've talked about Oregon. They've talked about Oregon State. And they've talked about USC. And not a lot of talk about Utah until that win last week. And now I think Utah is in prime position to win this game. I want to ask you about the USC quarterback. Who's got more NIL money this year, Caleb Williams or Coach Prime? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I have to imagine because – Coach Prime's been getting uh, endorsement money from Affleck for years, so I think Coach Prime's <laughs> probably uh, probably bringing in a little more. You know, NFL Hall of Famer and everything, and his, his name is everywhere. And you know, gets on Saturday Night Live. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams obviously bringing in a lot of money, but I'll tell you what, I, I did not like the body language he had after that loss to Utah last week. He looks a little bit defeated, and it, it's. It's getting to be a little dicey. You got to wonder if they lose a couple more games, where his head's going to be. I know he said that he, you know, he might stay in college because he can make more money in college than he can uh, in, in the NFL. But I, I'm not buying it. I think he's just trying to get leverage to maybe put himself to whatever franchise he desires to play for. Because I know it's come out that he only wants to play in certain places. Um, you know, he obviously has some leverage, but I, I, I do not like the body language I saw at the end of that game last week. Chris Van Dyne, our guest, professional handicapper, ncsports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Chris V, as in victory, 160, Chris V, 160. Chris, uh, which uh, I I guess you don't have to tell us uh, if you guys have picked the game yet, but just give us your initial thoughts on Ohio State at Wisconsin, 730 tomorrow night. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, Ohio State coming off that big win, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an inflated line to us. And Ohio State has struggled the last couple of years after they played uh, Penn State. Uh, last year, they were a big favorite against Northwestern and only won that game, tw- uh, I believe it was 21-7. Yeah, it was 21-7. They were laying 38 in that game. They only won by 14. The year before that, they were laying 14-and-a-half at Nebraska. They only won by nine. And the year before, uh, the year before that, the COVID year, they were – laying 38-and-a-half against Rutgers off of the winning over Penn State and only won by 22. So they failed to cover their last three against uh, whoever they play after Penn State. you got to like Ohio State's defense, obviously. And you you have some worries about Wisconsin's offense. Tanner Mordecai is out for the year. Braden Locke stepped in last week. They were losing to Illinois until very late. I do like that Braden Locke led two late touchdown drives. I think it was 80- and 85-yard touchdown drives. So it, it seemed like he started to really uh, get his confidence built in the fourth quarter of that game, and they came back and won it. Braylon Allen is a very physical, big running back, and, and you know he's going to move the chains occasionally. And I, I, I'll tell you what, uh, at 14, over 14 for Wisconsin here as an underdog, I would take the points here. We had this around a 7-10 to 10 point game with Ohio State off the big win, and you, you, you think about what Wisconsin lost with Tanner Mordecai. 
he had a three to three ratio. He really wasn't moving the ball downfield much. So I, I think that losing Mordecai and switching to Braden Locke might be okay for Wisconsin. It's not a huge loss. I know Ohio State's a little healthier with Travion Henderson back, but uh, I, I, I definitely think that Wisconsin at home in a big game with plenty to play for, you, you know, this could be a, a, a closer than expected game. I don't think they, they could pull the upset or anything, though. All right, Chris, let's turn our attention to the NFL and the Browns. P.J. Walker, third-string quarterback. No Nick Chubb. Jerome Ford might play. He practiced today, right? Uh, at Seattle, though, east coast to west coast, 4 o'clock game. Or early thoughts on uh, the Browns at Seattle. Well, we were really surprised by the Browns' defensive performance last week. That, that really came out of nowhere. Uh, we had the under, and, uh, you know, it was over. By, by the time we blinked, as a matter of fact, yeah. me and I one of the under two. You're not the only one. Each other. <laughs> yeah, we, we turned around and said, wow, this is, uh, this is done, and it was the first quarter. So we don't expect that kind of performance from the Browns' defense again. They're only allowing 243 yards a game. Uh, Seattle, I'll I tell you what, the one concern I have for Seattle lately is Geno Smith has been turning the ball over more than expected, uh, more than he did last year. He's already got four interceptions this year. So I, I think that that Browns defense could be opportunistic, even on the road. Still like the under here. Uh, we like this game as far as the side. As long as you're getting three and a half, we, we, we like Cleveland to win it, possibly. But uh, we were hoping that Deshaun Watson would be playing, obviously. Right. P.J. Walker has won his two starts. But, you know, if you're getting three and a half here, we think it's going to be a field goal game either way. It makes us feel a little comfortable. So we would take Cleveland getting the points, and then also we would look at the under, uh, which I, I think that Cleveland's defense will have a bounce-back performance. What about another team in our own division, Cincinnati, traveling out west as well, taking on the 49ers, who a couple of weeks ago we thought were world beaters. This week looks like they're starting Sam Darnold. Yeah, and uh, Debo Samuel's banged up. He, he looks like he's not playing in Cincinnati has won two straight games. I'll tell you what, Cincinnati's in prime position to pull an upset here. Uh, we're kind of with you. That, you know, San Francisco's showing some chinks in the armor, and hard to believe it all started with P.J. Walker beating them on the, uh, when they were on the road. They were held to 215 yards in that game against Cleveland. Browns' defense really showed up. You know, and that might have been something to hurt the Browns last week. They had that great performance, and they just can't, kind of came out flat on the road. But uh, Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they should be able to move the ball downfield. San Francisco just gave up 378 passing yards, 35 of 45 to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. So we do think that the, that the Bengals could pull the upset here. That is definitely a game that we're looking at as a possible late, uh, late play on Sunday. Uh, Cincinnati plus the points. Uh, line currently sitting at uh, four. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm. Here's the thing. Um, the NFL week to week, Chris. I, I thought I had a good feel. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I really don't, man. I'm listening <laughs> to you. I'm taking information from your podcast in the newsletter. I'm looking at my information and all that. And I told JT. I stopped betting the NFL and started betting the NBA last night and actually, you know, won a parlay, but, hey, that's one time. I'm sure I'll lose here soon. But I just don't know from week to week with these NFL teams. It is tough. Uh, you know, you got to find the right team in the right spot, uh, you know, but it, it is uh, 
you know, the, the NFL, anyone can win on any given Sunday, obviously it's cliche, but uh, you know, there are some, some information you can find. We, we find that we have more success on totals sometimes okay. in the NFL, you know, the, with the teams being so even sometimes, but uh, there, there's, there's a lot of opportunity in NFL. And I'll tell you what, we, we've done a good job in the NFL the last couple of years. Uh, one of my colleagues, Sean Rhodes, who handicaps the NFL for us, he, he does a very good job. And, uh, you know, he finds things that I, I don't always, uh, I don't always keep my mind on. So I lean on him sometimes. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely likes Cincinnati this week as one of the plays. Interesting. What is so, the most consistent offense in the NFL then scoring wise? You say consistent? Yes. Is it Kansas city or no? Or is it Miami? Uh, Oh man. Um, yeah, I'd probably say, I'd say Kansas City just purely because, you know, having seen them for years, I'm just looking Falling at the numbers. Into the... Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Miami actually might might be more consistent this year. I mean, Kansas City's only averaging 25 a game. Miami's at 34. That's all obviously okay. propped up by that sure. uh, hellacious 70. 70 they put on Denver. Yeah. But no, you know, they have hit uh, 30 points in what four of their six, four of their seven games. So there you go. Yeah. Definitely so, two very good uh, offenses though. All right. Hey, Chris, we appreciate the insight as always. Everybody out there, follow Chris on Twitter at ChrisV160 or just go to ncsports.com, sign up, get all the great information. Chris, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week, all right? Always appreciate you guys. Talk to you next week.